On this episode of Restore It All, we're talking about how to secure your backup data to make sure that it doesn't get attacked in a ransomware attack. Hope you enjoy the episode. You could restore it all And rescue me from pain You had my fallen You erased it How Hi and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All Podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, aka Mr. Backup, and I have with me a guy whose only major flaw is that he won't go see scary movies with me, Persona Maliandi. How's it going, Persona? <laughs> I'm good, Curtis. I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of scary movies, especially on a large screen. Um, I don't. I like. I know some Boo! people like ah, you love ah, it, ah, ah. but yeah. it's just I don't find joy in watching a scary movie. I do remember in college watching The Ring on a big mm. screen. That movie messed with my head. <laughs> I remember coming home and asking someone to take my picture <laughs> and saying, is there a thing in the picture? You know, I was scared. I was scared to take the picture. Yeah, that movie, yeah. that was that was a fun movie. Um, it really kind of messed with your head. And you just saw a scary movie just recently. Yeah, it. it well, it's I wouldn't know if I called scary movie yeah. per se. It's more like a thriller um, it, it's called The Menu, and it stars uh, Ralph Fiennes, um, aka Voldemort, and uh, Anya, the girl from oh, The Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit, yeah, um, and some other other character actors that you may be familiar with, um, and uh, it, it's it's a movie that I. I enjoyed the movie. I will just say this um, trigger alert for those who are bothered by such things. It does contain suicide. Um, having said that, um, within the context of the show, it it was a significant part of the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but having said that, it was a really unique storyline that's a commentary on modern day society you know there's a class thing there's a there's a yeah yeah. it's not often that you come out of a movie and be like oh my god that was so good yeah i was i I really enjoyed it i was like oh that was i I thought the ending was the end i don't know i think i would have done something slightly differently with the ending but the um that is why you are not the director curtis or the writer yeah, that's why I'm not the director <laughs> or the writer. I I was not the only one, by the way. I, I read some reviews and stuff, and a lot of people felt the ending was somewhat anticlimactic. But it was one of those movies where you're like, what, what, it's over? Like, it's one of those kind of movies. <laughs> but everything all the way up to that point, I, th- I thought was really, really good. All the actors, really good. Um, Have you had never and, seen uh, a Bollywood movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's, what's your point? Where it's like anticlimactic at the very oh. end. It's like. They literally, a lot of the movies boil the ending down to like the last like five minutes. Interesting. Um, this one. Yeah, Shraddha, Shraddha, oh, you, you would be proud. Shraddha and I watched, while you were watching this movie, mm-hmm. Shraddha and I watched a Bollywood movie uh-huh. on and? Netflix. And it was also suspenseful and mm-hmm. kind of a comedy thriller-ish. But I would say that 
they basically wrapped up all the entire movie in the last like five minutes. And then at the end, Shraddha and I were like, what did we just watch? Because because we because it left so many things open at the end. And we're like, did we just watch all of that just for that last closing part? That's funny. And it's like two and a half hours also. So interesting thing about this movie is, you know how the movie's going to end about halfway into the movie. Hmm. Like they tell you how the movie's going to end. It's just how it gets there. It's it's just, it was was really good. Nice. Um, So I recommend it. Um, And uh, you know, the the boring saga continues. What? By what? Are you and Jeff going to talk about it on your next, on the other podcast? You know, he keeps threatening to record another episode and then he doesn't do it, but I'll, I'll take it. Jeff, I think Curtis is calling you out here. <laughs> Jeff and I actually recorded a new episode this week, so look for it at the Things That Entertain Us podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we're going, we're continuing in our Back Up to Basics series, and we're covering again. We're covering the book Modern Data Protection. I'll hold up for those of you watching this on BackupCentral.com, where you can watch the video of Persona and I waxing philosophical. Um, and, uh, you know, what we're doing is we're sort of going through the book and just discussing, you know, some important topics that I, that I found in the book. Um, and this next one is about protecting backup and archive data, which I think we can all agree is important. (laughs) No, not in the current uh, day and age, Curtis. What are you talking about? Uh, we have to protect it from a couple of different things, right? We have to mainly what I'm talking about in here is protecting it against attacks, right? Um, both attacks from like a um, like a disaster type type attack, but but mainly what I'm talking about is protecting it from cyber attacks, mm-hmm. which as um, I mean, I have these same conversations over and over. So sometimes I forget what we say here versus <laughs> what I say other places. But it it is a well-acknowledged fact that some of the largest of the ransomware bad actors are specifically targeting backup systems in order to do the the extortion style of ransomware attack. And let me specify what I'm saying there. So, you know, a a bunch of companies started realizing that, well, if I just get a decent backup and recovery and disaster recovery system, I can say, you know, pound sand to the ransomware folks. Mm -hmm. Well, the ransomware folks then said, oh, well, we'll show you. And so they developed this, this exfiltration style, right? And, the um, the idea there is that they find databases and file systems and spreadsheets and whatnot that contain sensitive data. That could be two different things. That could be your company secrets. It could be your company plans. It could be your eleven herbs and spices or your your um, you know your corporate plans for the next year. You know, um, but it could also be secrets that are like embarrassing. Uh, I think the best example of that, and I know we've talked about it, is the Sony attack. 
Yep. This is the one where where someone broke into the movie studios and got a bunch of emails talking about scripts and actors and all the rest of that. And very, some, some in not very, not very flattering terms. Yeah. So it could be that, right? But the point is, there is no way to protect against that once the data is out. Yep. It's not like the other attack. If you get the the old school attack, if you had a good backup system, you're good. It doesn't matter how good of a backup system you have. If the data is exfiltrated, uh, you're going to be forced to make uh, some major uh, decisions, yep. right? So, um, so what what these uh, ransomware groups have started realizing is that they uh, instead the, the people are starting to harden their primary environments, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but what you know, you, you you've heard me talk that I say one thing that has never changed in backup and recovery in the world of backup and recovery. Do you do you know what it is? I often say. Like the one it's, thing that has never changed. That the junior person is always responsible for <laughs> backups you, and you, recovery. Well, that is technically a cause of the thing, of the thing that has no never changed. Cares about- is, no one wants to do the backups, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one wants to raise their hand and say that they want to be the backup guy. So why does that matter? Well, it's because it means that that it ends up being an, an, an ignored system. Yep. And as a result, it means that it gets ignored by everyone, including the cybersecurity folks, right? They're like, ah, that's just a system out up in the corner. It's fine. We don't care about it, except it contains all of our data. (laughs) Yeah. And depending on how you you handle um, things like encryption, they may be able to unencrypt said backups and Mm -hmm. then you know, get the keys to the kingdom. Yeah. And like you were saying earlier, Curtis, the fact that a lot of people focus on production systems, harden them, but they may not always be considering these backup systems. Right, right, right. Easy target. Easy target. And so you need to not be such an easy target, right? Yeah. It's like the old joke about the guy, two guys crossing a field and they they see a bull and the guy says, you know, can you outrun that ball? He said, nope, I don't have to. What are you talking about? All I have to do is outrun you. Run you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you just want to be less of an interesting target than the person next to you. So the, the first thing that we talk about in terms of protecting backup data is encryption. Yeah. Which, which everyone should be doing. Like if no, if, you aren't doing encrypting your backups. I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, even if it's not encrypted, honestly, like that's what be you your really people. think. No. <laughs> no, because encryption isn't some heavyweight thing that it used to be. Right. You don't have to go physically encrypt your data as it comes out. You could do disk level encryption. Right. There's so many ways you could leverage encryption to fit into your environment, it should be a no-brainer that all your data at rest is encrypted. And in a lot of companies, right, if you want to be sort of like, uh, what is it? If you want to look at HIPAA uh, readiness or other things, right, other regulatory obligations, a lot of them say all your data at at rest should be encrypted. Mm -hmm. Well, I um, 
I do think I do think backup page backup data should be encrypted for this very reason, right? And I'll give you different reasons for the different things, right? So if it's if you got a backup server on prem and you're storing your backups on a file system, you know, an NFS mounted file system, then if they're unencrypted, you know, anybody, everyone has access. Right? Yeah. Everyone has access to those backups. And a lot of these pr- backup products they offer like to, to to so some of the backup products store the backups not in a backup format. They're in native format. So mm-hmm. you can just mount a disk, right? Yeah. Other backup products put it in a backup format, but they offer an ability to read that backups. Like it, it's it's for DR purposes. So yeah. so if you're not encrypting them, then you're just you're just asking for trouble. Yeah. So that's the disk side. The second side will be the tape side. So if you are, and believe it or not, many people are still making backup tapes and they're making them primarily, I think, for offsite uh, storage. Yep. And so, and this is, this is the one where I'm like, if you are, if you are putting your companies like crown jewels onto a little, you know, plastic tape, and then you're handing it to a man in a van and you are not at this point encrypting that data, you know, professional malfeasance at this point. Well, and I wonder it's almost as if that should be like a default, you know, like you can't write data out without encrypting it, but I guess you have to deal with key management and all the rest of that. And so you have flexibility to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I will also say this encryption is only good is only as good as the authentication and authorization and key management system that is connected to it. Yep. And if you can easily defeat that uh, system, then, you know, and and I mentioned, so for example, I know we mentioned it on the podcast, please do not make your backup server part of your uh, Active Directory. What, what is domain. it? What is it called? Domain. A cloud? Just domain. a domain. Yeah. yeah. Um, just please don't do that. So the next term is one that we can debate no uh, and I, I honestly i don't even need you i can debate it myself right it's one of those where i go back and forth um you know and that's the term air gap <clears throat> what is like air so, gap, curtis well well there is what Traditionally, was an yeah. air gap yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's and, and it's where it, it is from whence we get the term so the idea was to put a gap of air between the protection copy and the protected thing. Yeah. Or, or since you're dealing with plumbing copies. right now, since you're dealing with yeah. plumbing right now, right? You <laughs> have an air gap normally, right? When you think about don't your be, dishwasher. Don't be, don't be, now you made or, me think about the dishwasher that has made or, my life or, a living fine, hell. Fine. Or a toilet. How about that? That's actually technically a water yeah. gap, but. You're killing me. Don't be, don't be bringing plumbing into this. Um, anyway. Yeah. So you, you had to separate the, and it meant, again, it meant the, it meant the man in the van, right? You, 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 you put some tapes in a box and you handed that box to a, you know, a man or a woman and then they got into a van and they took it someplace. And in order to get to that thing, you needed to physically, um, access it. Right. Which yep. meant 
that if you were a hacker and you wanted to get to it, it, it would be virtually impossible. Not completely impossible. There's no, there's it's no, because I remember. Rather than cyber. Yeah. I remember, for example, we would uh, once a year at an unannounced time, we would attempt to circumvent the security of our tape uh, storage vendor. Mm. And we would uh, use really good like liars and whatnot. And more specifically, we would use someone like me that they knew they knew the person. And so they would go over there and they would and we would just have this really, really like elaborate scenario yeah. that basically would want would want the it would make the person that works there want to leave us alone in the vault with the tapes and at least once we were able to do that (laughs) was the person go or did the person have to go through training i guess yeah i don't i you know honestly out of so long ago i don't remember what happened to that to that person who left us alone in the vault but so that's what i'm saying it's not it it was never 100 percent right um the um i mean you've seen the movies you know yep I've seen Ocean's Eleven and Twelve and Thirteen. <laughs> the um, but the problem is most of us don't use tape anymore, mm-hmm. and most of it or many of us don't even use a data center anymore. So this idea of putting a, an actual air gap between A and B is quite difficult, and so we've sort of adopted or adapted to the you know the virtual air gap right um the um uh so this is separated in as many ways as we can i don't know you want to talk about that yeah and i think we talked about this on the episode about backups or maybe it was restores but it's even though they are available online right that second copy so it's not the same Mm -hmm. as having that tape in a vault somewhere you want to make that make it as close to that as possible and Mm -hmm. we totally get that you still have to have connectivity right it's still going to be up but can you lock it down can you basically make that target as inaccessible as possible and uh, to prevent it from being attacked by say someone uh, gaining access to your backup source Right. And now they have access to your vault. Uh, Some of the examples are if you're backing up in the cloud, right, put it in a separate account that no one has access to other than whatever is transferring the data. Right. Make it in a different region so it's not easily accessible. And there are many, many, many other things you could do as well. But those are just some of the examples. Yeah, I like if we're talking cloud, I like the idea of putting it in a different region and a different account. Right. Um, because we're not just talking about hacking. We're also we also need to think about like disaster recovery and things like that. Right. So, again, OVH cloud, we don't want to have that happen to us. So we want to make sure that a copy of the backup data is, is well far away from the thing that it's protecting. And, yeah, separate account in a much more limited an account with much more limited access. Yep. And you can. Um, you can consider using immutable storage, but we're going to talk about that later. But essentially, this is the, we, we separate it as much as possible. This is why, um, you know, one of your 
previous employers, data domain, right? And yeah. and and all of those things. They would always talk about replicating to another data domain. And I always I always remember thinking, well, if I'm replicating to another data domain, it's essentially like in order to do that, I gotta have it in the same so like LAN, right? Or or, or at least or it's gonna look like it's in the LAN, yeah. right? Well um, so that's why they actually introduced a feature specifically talking about data domain, right? They Their did, yeah. cyber recovery solution mm-hmm. that allowed for writing to a lockdown data domain that didn't have access from anywhere else. And going mm-hmm. back to the point you were talking about, Curtis, okay, is it on the network and I can connect to it, then doesn't that make it open? And so what it would actually right. do is shut down network ports right outside mm-hmm. of your backup windows such that mm-hmm. it's not available or at least your attack surface is reduced. Could you delete the backups? Was it, could you delete the backups once you send it to it via the backup interface? Uh, typically no. Okay. Cause that, cause that would be, that would be an important part, yeah. right? It would also replicate like your backup environment, right? So you'd have your own backup server in that vault, if you will. So there's no connectivity mm-hmm. to anything outside because if there is, then you're just open to risk. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So just like, so I've got a list here on virtual air gap here. So I talk about disabling or impairing RDP. Why does that matter? Ah, so many ransomware issues have happened because RDP, which is RDP, by the way, protocol. Thank you. (laughs) Right. Which is how most people connect remotely to a Windows client. Um, Most people forget to turn it off or they leave it on because it's just easier. They don't need to physically connect to it. The only downside is it's a big attack surface and -hmm. there are a lot of exploits using RDP. And so... When you enable RDP, you're letting yourself or leaving yourself open to hackers and other exploits coming in, which could then move laterally across your network and take out other pieces of your environment. Yeah, there is a way to automate sort of disabling and enabling RDP, uh, like on a large scale. Um, I also talk about putting it in a different operating system, right? Not using the same operating system for your backups and your primary. Uh, if that's possible, I know that there's a lot of big window shops and they use windows based, uh, backup servers. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, but you know, um, and by the way, I, I forgot to throw out our disclaimer. I'll throw out, um, persona, <clears throat> persona and I work for different companies. I work for Druva. He works for zoom. And this is not a podcast of either company. This is an independent podcast and the opinions that you hear are ours. And uh, be sure to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash restore. And um, if you'd like to join the conversation, mm-hmm. you want to talk about what's going on in your world, uh, you know, whether you're, uh, you know, an end user. If you're an end user, we really want to have you, you know, real people that actually do backups out there in the trenches. We, you're, do, do you miss it, it Curtis? Man. No, (laughs) (laughs) I do. Uh, You know, as soon as I think about uh, back when I used to be the person in the trenches, like when I was a consultant and I, and I, I flash back to this one time where we were completely redoing the backups of, I'll just say a large, television station like like a national television station 
And I remember, I remember that time when the, when the, the, the director of it basically said, nobody's going home until this is done. He literally, I mean, there's a long story following up to this, but he basically, um, held us hostage in the data center Mm. and said, no one's going home until this, this thing that you said is going to happen. You said it's going to happen. I'm like, yeah, but it's not going to finish until like 1030 at night. He's like, yeah, so we're not going home until it's done. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well, this is kidnapping, but whatever. Um, you know, uh, so I think about stuff like that, right. I think about those moments of terror, but yeah, so I, you know, I want to live vicariously through those who have been through those moments yeah. of terror. Well, and um, it's also interesting to learn like what the more recent challenges are in environments. Yeah, yeah, that too. How that you, too, yeah. Exactly. Otherwise, how do you build great products, you know, or build products exactly. to solve exactly. those challenges? So what what I was thinking about saying, which is what reminded me to do the disclaimer, is just that. Um, you know, one way to have a differing operating system is to use a SaaS provider. Druva mm-hmm. is not the only one, uh, but there are SaaS providers that are cloud native or use non-Windows uh, tools that, um, you know, you do that. Also, you you gain the second thing that I list here, which is about separating the storage. Yeah. Please don't, um, you know, we talked we talked about that already, The these replication, right? Uh, but the... Um, but it's also if like don't just, use NFS, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, don't use NFS as a way to back up to the server. Use there are ways to back up to, for example, a data domain box and other boxes without exposing the backups via NFS. Uh, I also talk about using Ob Storage. I'm a huge fan of using object storage. Now, mm-hmm. some of you go, "Well, object storage is too slow." To which I say, "Then you're using it wrong." Yeah. Right. Um, you know, Druva uses object storage. All our backups are on object storage and we are not too slow. In fact, we get into competitions all the time with these big on-prem companies and we win. And here we are, we're a copy in the cloud and they're an on-prem mm-hmm. appliance and we win that restore test. Object storage is not too sto- slow, but if you if you treat it like file system storage, I think then it is, right? And it's you a challenge, yeah. All your backups in one object, right? Tonight's Tonight's backup of server X is an image and that image becomes an object on uh, S3. Yeah, then it's going to be slow, right? <laughs> um, we talk about using immutable storage. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Um, that, that's an option that we talked about. And then like S3 yeah. has and an then immutable your, option. And then your favorite topic is using tape. I know, Curtis, <laughs> you always like to throw out the disclaimer. Actually, I should thank you because... Before this podcast, I knew very little about tape. Now I know just yeah. a bit more about tape. Yeah. Given yeah. the number of experts who've come <clears throat> on and talking to you, but yeah, it's there, not there's any, no there's yeah. no beating the tape when it comes. That's an actual air gap. Yep. Right. If you if you want a real air gap, I'm I know there's challenges with it, you know, uh, but there is you know there is there is an air gap there, yeah. uh, and I already talked about using a backup service. So let's talk about. Immutability. Yeah. What um, is immutability? This, is it a made up well, word? You know, it sounds a little like a made up word. <laughs> you know, this is another one of those things where we have to go back in time. Historically, 
immutability, what it, it, it was like a legal term that you needed to be able to prove that the thing you were presenting in court had not changed. It mm -hmm. was immutable. That's all, you know, immutable just means cannot be changed. Yep. So when you, when you, uh, you present, you, you know, you have to preserve chain of custody and you have to, you have to be able to say, or it's really helpful if you're able to say this email that I'm showing you is exactly the same email as the email that we got five years ago from Steve. Yep. And nothing changed and no one had the ability to change it. Right. That's where we used to talk about immutability. Now we talk a lot about it in terms of cyber attacks. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would add to that, we also talk about it in terms of things like bit rot. We've talked mm -hmm. about bit rot on this podcast where this is silent data corruption, right? That bits just flip underneath magnetic storage devices. It's just the way they work. And the, you know, and if, if you've got, if you've got a bunch of petabytes of data, you got flipped bits in there. It's just a matter of, it's just math. When you're going to run across it, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so, so when we talk about immutability, we say, well, we, if somebody says they have immutable backups or immutable storage, what you're saying is stuff that gets put here can't be changed mm -hmm. and here's the thing depending on how you look at it it's complete nonsense because <laughs> everything's just software Anything everything can be is changeable yeah. give me a torch i'll change that <laughs> sob right give me fit so physical access all bets are off everyone knows that um if it's something on a server that you can that 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 is in your data center that also in my opinion is not really immutable yeah. um because if someone has root uh on that server they can wipe the server uh it's even built like you know when we talk about immutable storage on linux it's not really that immutable it's it's immutable ish so so why do i say like why do i talk about it if it's bs well here's the point nothing was ever 100% immutable <laughs> Even that document, right, right, that you were talking about. Yeah, exactly, right. As long as, like, if 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 you put something on a a a, a write once CD, uh, optical platter, right, a worm tape, it's immutable to a point. If you have physical access, it's no longer immutable. Yeah. You could you could say from a legal standpoint, you could later if you have the same disc and you've preserved chain of custody, and you can say, we can show that this disk was not destroyed, yeah. and we can show via these checksums and whatnot that the stuff that we're giving you is the stuff that we had before. Saying that you've got a storage system that can't ever, ever, ever be changed, um, I would argue is just nonsense, right? So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a degree, it's a, yeah. what, what do we call it? Like a spectrum. Like a spectrum, thank you. I yeah. knew there was a word in there. For and some even, reason, Prism is what was coming to me. <laughs> and even for those storage systems that have immutability, right, that are used for like financial records and everything else, mm -hmm. a lot of that is certified by the storage vendor saying they have all the checks in place and all the rest, right? In the end, it's all just software. 
right? So right, they've built right. in the into the software those checks to make sure that data cannot be deleted, right, right. and is preserved. And the and, and you know after we're doing all this, like we're gonna, I'm slamming it, and then I'm gonna talk about how important it is. But the other is, um, uh, I'd say the the one that I like the best right now is like the the object lock and s3 and what i like about that is because it's it is at least physically separated from you now that doesn't mean that somebody can't go crazy in the aws data center and and blow it up but even that it's built into that so it, it would have to be like it would have to be a really concerted attack to be able to attack multiple locations of s3 to be able to do damage yeah. Um, it's, it's not only multiple locations. The risk locations. is as low as, yeah. what's that? It's not just multiple locations of S3, but also they have to attack your primary site as well. So everything needs to be coordinated across multiple vendors right. and corporations, right. which will probably have their own security practices, et cetera. So this is, this is that, this is that uh, spectrum, right? I, I'd put, I'd put that and write, you know, worm tape, write once, read, write once, read many tape. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and, and optical plat. I put that on one end of the spectrum on the other put at the end of the spectrum is I would have unencrypted backup stored on a NFS mounted storage system behind a windows backup server. Yep. <laughs> That's your spectrum. So we want to be closer to this end than that end. Yeah. Right. Um, but there are some downsides. Perfect. Yeah. yeah and there ahead. are some downsides to immutability too. Right. Uh, you can't, like, once the data gets written, you can't delete it before that right. time period typically. So right. there are some challenges as well. So, um, so what we need to do is we need to, I, I think there's multiple things there is that um, we need to protect against access we need to protect against you know change deletion corruption um uh, what was I, what was i talking about um bit rot yeah. right so there are vendors out there that they're like well we have a append only file system and we and and we have data lock on the mm -hmm. backups. And so they say we're immutable. And and I'm like, okay. And and they say because they're saying that like you can't encrypt the backups with it with a ransomware attack. Yep. And I and I go, that's good. That's farther, that's that's closer to the other one than the other ones. But it's like, well, what about other things? Right? What about other types of attacks that attack the operating system itself? Right. You know, if, if you gain privileged access to that server, yeah, right. And I want to clarify, though, what you're talking about is someone who's written their own file system or is leveraging a file system yes. on top of a standard server. Yes. Okay. Not a storage appliance, because I think that's a little bit more, that's like further along in the spectrum, I would say, like a purpose-built yeah. storage appliance. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, so, so we got a couple different types of backup servers here, right? So we yeah. got the purpose-built 
backup appliance of various mm-hmm. shades. Flavors, yeah. Shades? Flavors, sure. Um, and I would put them more immutable, right? So <laughs> immutable is supposed to be a binary condition, yeah. but I don't see it as that, right? So um, I put it as more immutable than I bought a box, I installed Windows or Linux, and I installed my favorite backups or software. Yeah. Why, why, why do you feel that way? I agree with you. Why do you feel that way? I feel that way because when it comes to that appliance, typically there's more things locked down. There's less configuration options, right? It's kind of purpose built for that reason versus when you're rolling your own, you have to worry about all those dependencies. What flavor of the OS are you taking? Are you running through all the security patches? Is it are there any nuances in the way it's being deployed today that leads to security vulnerabilities and things like that? Yeah, exactly. And and when you update those appliances, you update an image, which updates everything yeah. versus if I have a a, bo- a Windows box, I got to update Windows or Linux. I've got to make sure that I'm software. following the new security. Then you got to update the backup software. Yep. So yeah, it, these are... And I would say that's so. I would say that the appliances are more immutable yeah. than the than the build your own box. Um, and the uh, but I, but I'm just going to say that if you if we're talking physical access, I still I'm going to put a service like S3 or a service like Druva that's up in the cloud farther down the immutability spectrum than. A server than a server that is sitting in your data center. Yep. And um, I think it's important because everyone is now doing virtualized, right? It doesn't matter if it's a physical server or a virtual server. Anything that's running on your yeah. infrastructure or in your infrastructure right. is less secure in that immutability spectrum. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, I put in the book a lot of things are mislabeled immutable. Uh, I just, again, it's a spectrum, but if, if all you're doing is writing backups to a Linux file system with the immutability flag turned on, that is not immutable. I mean, it's, it is more immutable than not. (laughs) Yeah. But if I, but if someone with root can, and, and you got to have someone with root, right? So if a person with root can go in and unset all those immutability flags, it don't matter. <laughs> that's, I don't know. That's just not, it's bet it's better than nothing. Yeah. Right. So I don't want to be the, the, you know, perfect is the enemy <laughs> of good or whatever, but I, I don't need perfect. And so I don't want to say that that's crap, but I, I think it's, it's not as immutable as those appliances that we talked about. And I still think that a service where nobody gets access to your servers is more immutable than that. Yeah. Um, and I still want everybody to back up everything to take. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Curtis, you and your, although tapes. I work at, I work at a tapeless backup company. Um, so. But, but here's the, but, but ahead, one sure. thing I want to ask, and I know we've covered this on prior podcasts. What are things that an admin can do? To understand where on that spectrum, when someone says, when a vendor says immutability, what are questions yeah, so that they should be asking to be yeah, able to That's a great question. That? Who has root or admin, right? 
-hmm. who has that and what controls are placed over that. So um, if it's an appliance, so like I, I know of like one company where they do have root, they have a password, they have the root password on your system or they have the password to an account that has a UID of zero for yeah. those of you, um, which is essentially the same thing. But in order to log into that account, they can't log into that account remotely. You have to, you have to do yeah, an SSH tunnel and yeah. all that stuff, right? You have to open up a door for them to log in. Um, you know, what kind of protections are put against that? Uh, if the answer is it's just a local box and you're the one that has root or there's unprotected root access from someone, um, I just, I worry, well, you know, so if, if, if you or anyone in your ministry, in your place has root, that's not very immutable. It's better than nothing, yeah. but it's not very immutable, right? If, you know, root like if 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 you normally never log into the system as a root right no one in your you only at you you go to a ui you log it as you right um yep. and there isn't direct root access by anyone and the only way you can get root access is you can um you do this ssh, SSH tunnel thing that's more immutable mm -hmm. i like that better um you still but again, if you don't know this already, you still have to do physical security against that box. Yep, exactly. Just like you do every other box, right? Um, and then, you know, you ask a lot of, just ask a lot of questions. What happens if? So for example, I'm currently wondering, because I haven't found a good answer online, I'm currently wondering what happens with Amazon S3 object lock if I delete my account. I don't think they allow you to, it depends on what type of object lock you're using because there are I, two modes. I know what, I know what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Um, but if I mute, is it the compliance mode? That's the more. Yeah. Yeah. So assuming I'm using compliance mode. Oh wait, compliance is RLCRLG. I think compliance is less and governance is more. Or is it the other whichever way? Whichever it is. Yeah. Whichever what, way it is. I think it's the other way around, but anyway, so I'm using the more strict one. And my credit card stops working, right? It's not like they're going to keep my storage forever. You, when you say they won't let you delete it, well, I don't have to delete it. I'm just going to have my credit card not work anymore. Yeah. Right? What so like you said, there? it's not protected in all scenarios, right? Right. I don't know what the answer is. I am curious. I actually, want, I, I keep forgetting to do this, but I want to go create an Amazon account, separate one. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh put some object lock stuff in there. Not a whole lot, just like 90 days or something, but, yeah. but like a couple of gigabytes or something. And then go delete my account and see what happens. See, what happens. see if they let me delete the account. Yeah. Um, I did read something somewhere that, that there is this like 30, 60 day time frame. Hmm. So <clears throat> again, that's still better because I'm assuming that if you're using Amazon S3 you don't and, want to or, yeah. or any of the other folks, you're going to, you're going to know that somebody deleted your account. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and I know what I would want you to ask is what happens if, 
what happens if someone gets through someone? So I was just seeing a thing that said that it's like more than half of hacks are through compromised credentials. Mm. So what happens if someone, you know, you're a backup service. What happens if someone gets a hold of my admin credentials and is able to circumvent MFA? Yep. What how much damage can they do? Do you have against yeah. it? Yeah. How much damage they can do? Can you undo any of that damage? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I know that if we go back in time, let's say two years ago, I don't think Druva had good answers to that question. Yeah. Right. I remember being in those meetings and saying, hey, we need to address this. We mm-hmm. have addressed that. I think we now have really good answers to those questions. Um, but does your, does, you know, if you're not using Druva, does your vendor have good answers yeah. to those questions? I don't know. Right. So, yeah. So, come up with worst case scenarios and that one of compromised admin credentials, whether you're talking a service or so like, for example, I know that like Druva has data lock, you know, rubric and Coecity have data locks. Mm -hmm. I know that with them, if you, if you compromise uh, credentials and you log into them and try to delete if you if you enable data lock you will not be able to do so Mm -hmm. right so what is your vendor's answer to that question yeah um and um and then also ask them about bit rot what are they doing about bit rot if they're using object storage i feel better (laughs) because object storage will automatically detect bit rot happening underneath yeah uh, because it will change the hash and somebody be like, hey, well, not somebody. A program will figure it out. Um, I think BitRot is rare, just for the record. I think it's rare. Um, it's like rare. totally uncorrected bit error, right? Yeah. But but it's but still it's not, bad when not, it happens. Not a problem. Yeah, and the problem is when it's silent, that's the worst. Exactly. That's the worst. All right, well, enough about protecting backup data. You got any final thoughts? No. Well, think we covered it all i really like virtual air gaps but that's just me <laughs> <laughs> i like the old school air gaps but it's really hard to do those these days all right well thanks for listening to us be sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all <laughs>